Blog Talk Radio. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body this hood, politics, intelligence. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. Money, I duck, could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up, the cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken. Ricochet in between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back, fuck getting hit. This is my hood, I'm a rat to the death of it. To everybody, come on, little niggas, it's grown. Hood rats, don't abortion your wound. We need more warriors soon. Sit from the star, sun, and the moon. And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die, More powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. It's your brother, National Chairman Yang and Kuma, People's Black Panther Party for Self Determination, coming to you again today on a Tuesday, our Political Education Tuesday, an opportunity for us to share, exchange ideas, um, you know, and just to go over it and have a discussion about the overall state of the African here in America. You know my philosophy communalism, African collectivism, we can accomplish anything together, unified. Individuality assures a certain doom and destruction for the black race here in America and globally if we don't come together. Talking about the Black Panther, the movie, Black Panther, the movie, hype or hope, there has been a lot of excitement surrounding um, the release of the Black Panther, the movie, and, 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 and for those of us who have not been around or maybe been under a rock, you know, if you haven't heard, we're not talking about, when we say we're not talking about Black Panther, the political defense party or the um, party in 1966, the Black Panther for Self-Defense, the party in 1966 is founded by Chairman Bobby Seals and um, Defense Minister Huey P. Newton. But we're talking about the the, um, fictional comic book character Black Panther, the superhero, as invented or created by Stan Lee and Marvel Comics. And there has been a lot of hoopla surrounding it. I mean, there has been so much that um, people have been dressing up. They say it's, it's, you know, made in the billions of dollars on opening night. African-Americans, black people here in America, crowded uh, movie theaters, to go see it. I mean, it hasn't been a big to-do. When I went to see it, there were so many dashikis. There were so many people in dashikis, I thought I was in the Tarzan movie. I mean, it was a lot of you. I thought I hadn't seen that much Africa in us 
<laughs> so it was it was it was funny to see that a movie had brought it out. But this has also caused um I wanna say a stir in the black community. At the very least it has opened up a dialogue and discussion amongst African people here about how they feel about the participation of black people going to see in this movie, the trillions, the billions, the millions. I think we're still at millions now. The millions of dollars spent for them going to see this movie. Um, And so you have two different viewpoints and opinions, and they vary. I mean, they, they can go completely to the far end of the spectrum on how people feel really feel about this movie. So they asked me, Brother Yanger, how do you feel about the movie? You saw Black Panther. I was just recently asked what was the hype, but I, you know, I had to go see it because I wasn't. Now me, I wasn't gonna go on um, opening night. You know what I'm saying? But I, you know, my boys wanted to see the movie. This and this, you go see the movie. I was, I was curious because I am a comic book fan. I'm like, hell, okay, why not? How did I feel about the movie? Personally, I thought it was a good superhero movie. That's what it was. It was a superhero movie. It was about a black superhero. I thought that it was a great superhero movie. And I appreciate Marvel for making it. Why? Because Africans spend billions of dollars anyway. We spend that money on all type of entertainment. We go out and eat. We go see. We go to the theaters. We go um, to wrestling events. We go to the circus. We spend... To entertain ourselves, we spend millions of dollars to entertain ourselves. I appreciate Marvel saying that since you spend that money anyway, I will cater to you. I will give you a superhero. I will give you a bang for your buck. Because, hell, I've seen Thor. I've seen Hulk. I've seen Spider-Man. I have actually paid money to go sit in theaters. I've seen Star Wars, Star Trek. I've seen, and I'll pay money to go see white action figures, white heroes, Lethal Weapon, you name them. I've probably seen run the whole gambit from Rambo to the Terminator and have paid money to do that. So I can appreciate Marvel saying, you know what, now I will give you a black hero, the bang for your buck. What did get me, though, is how us as African people are always looking for a deeper meaning. It couldn't just be a movie. We couldn't just go watch and enjoy a black superhero. That's what I did. I went and seen a black man kicking ass. The fact he was from Africa, I loved it. The fact he was named Black Panther, I loved it. I loved the fact that his brother was in here whooping ass. You know, I didn't look for a deeper meaning. This goes into what I'm always talking about, that Messiah complex. But the African here in America is always looking for something to save them. We saw this same phenomena when President Barack Obama um, went into the White House. Black people thought the second coming of Jesus had arrived. Oh, Barack's going to do this. Oh, there's a change. There's going to be a brand new day. They were excited. And we find this same sentiment and this same type of excitement and emotion attached to a movie. I think that that to me is the dangerous part. But I do love the fact that my children can go and see a black superhero from Africa. 
and they can see a part of Africa portrayed as technologically advanced, um, peacemakers, you know, just all around great people. I, I can really appreciate that because our people who want to be entertained are going to spend that money. And I do understand the opposite end of it. Spending that type of money and not not investing in your community. But these are still the same people, I would have to say, that will spend that money anyway. I remember Dr. Umar Johnson came to town and was charging like ten, fifteen dollars a ticket to hear him speak. People want to be entertained. They go to Sarah Sudan Seti debates. They go to um these debates with, you know, politeness and that. People pay money to be entertained. That's what Africans, you know, over here in America do. They want to be entertained. So this was an opportunity to provide some entertainment. And I can appreciate that. Like I said before, you know, we're at the risk of being redundant. I can appreciate that. I think far too long that, you know, when, you know, we will, and this is not an indictment, but I think that when we do something, I think neocolonialism goes so deep with us in a disdain for us being put in the forefront or for us um, shining goes so deep with us that when we do shine, automatically we find something wrong with it. We point it out. Oh, them niggas ain't doing this. Them niggas ain't doing it. Just automatically. I think that's a conditioning, you know, and we won't take a deeper look at ourselves that we do the same thing. Like I said, you know, I, you, I've, I've, I've heard the, the controversy. I've seen, you know, the big controversy. But you have to look at us in the conscious community haven't created a stir like this in I don't know how long. We haven't done anything to create this type of stir, to create this type of recognition of Africa. Like I said, I've seen so many dashikis, man. I know the dashiki store probably went, went out of business. But we haven't done anything to create a stir. Now is an opportunity to seize the moment. If it's a conversation piece, allow it to be a conversation piece. Drop some actual factual in there with the nonfiction. You know, that's my whole take on the thing. Let's not, you know, let's be careful in our condemnation of things that we do as African people. They say, well, you know, they told me, well, Brother Yanger, you got to look at Marvel is still a white company. Marvel is still, so is Shell Gas Station, bro. So is Kroger Grocery Stores. Are the grocery stores you shop at? Do you forget that you live in a white supremacist state? Did you live in a country that was founded on white male privilege and white male entitlement? There is very few things that we do that are not ran, not that I'm not talking about black operated. Of course, they'll put a Negro or some other, ethnic, some other ethnicity in the front to run it, but I'm talking about owned. There are very few things over here when you speak about corporations that are not white-owned. So, yeah, we're looking at Stanley, we're looking at Marvel, we're looking at white men. That so, yeah, that money's going back to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. But in the step to independence, in that road to get to self-sufficiency, where we are the manufacturers and producers and distributors of all the goods in the world today, I think that we have to stop and smell the roses and celebrate an accomplishment. How minute or minor that accomplishment may be. No, it is not the coming of the revolution. It's not the government that we're looking for that is right and exact, that is an egalitarian government that makes sure that the masses of people have what they need and that um, poverty 
is no longer a reality. It's not that utopic state that the revolutionary is fighting for for himself or herself and the family, but it is a step. And one of the steps is that it is recognition for, and especially you brothers and sisters that ascribe to capitalism, you brothers and sisters that have money and spend money should really appreciate that it is a step that Marvel said, you know what, because you spend money anyway, I'm willing to guarantee when you go in your houses, you have things in there or you have entertainment that is white-owned. Stereo systems, game stations, televisions, radios, you have things that are already white-owned. So the fact that Marvel said, nigga, we've been taking your money for years, now we're going to give you a black superhero. I applaud him. I'm not looking for, listen, I don't think that you did anything. I tell Marvel, you didn't do anything so spectacular. But the fact that you're saying, since I'm spending money with you, you appreciate my dollar. You are going to give me something that is worth me spending a dollar on. Because how many movies have you went to? And spent money when nobody in the damn movie reflected you, looked like you. And if they did, it wasn't in a positive light. Boys in the hood. Menace to society. All the black exploitation films. Yeah, well, they were black directed, black written, but they weren't black produced. Look at the producers on these on these Warner Brothers, Sony. So how many times have we went and spent our money on black exploitation films? Or we'll watch some things that portrays us in not the most glamorous light or not the most intelligent uh, light or the most intelligent situations that Africans can find themselves in, foolishness and, and, and buffoonery, is what we find. And so we get this thing that comes along, and at the very least what it has done is has stared an African consciousness. It has stirred a sense of racial worth, if not at the, if not pride. I like I told you, man. I went, I went to the movies, man. I had never seen so many people. I'm talking about Boo Boo now. The brothers that will make you cross the street when you see them. That most of you black folks are afraid of. Having a sit in there with their dashikis and their African pendants, and I saw lion teeth necklaces and quarry shells, and they were amped, dressed in black. I seen whole families coming in blacked out. It, it is an opportunity for us to begin to take that and use it as a conversational piece, to begin to explore some things, to begin to talk about what could have been. Before colonization, because there was some, like I said, there were some funny moments in the movie. I think one of the funniest moments to me is when uh, she, uh, uh, you know, and I don't want to tell the movie for those who haven't seen it, but I have to say this part, it was hilarious, because those us on political education can peep the little, they, listen, let me tell you, it was so brilliantly directed by a black man, the same brother who directed Fruitvale and directed Creed. You know, and I think that was Creed in there that played in it. It was so brilliantly directed 
that and the innuendos and the little um, there were little subliminal messages for those of us that are politically astute that picked it up when the Black Panther, when the King's sister, when the white man came and he awakened and she called him a colonizer. She said, you scared me, colonizer. And the whole theater bust out in laughing. I didn't know that many black people knew what a colonizer was. The whole theater exploded in laughter. When she called the white boy a colonizer, and when she called the white boy a white boy, exploded in laughter. And it was so dynamic in the sense that it had you thinking it was, I think what the, the what was good about it, it was a movie that caused you to think there was no clear cut. Black Panther wasn't the clear cut good guy, and the other guy wasn't the clear cut bad guy. There was no good, there was no black bad. It was relating to a black struggle, a black guy, the so-called villain. You know, see, I, I, what I loved about the movie is white people deal in white and black. They deal with good guys, bad guys. They deal with the villain and the hero. This movie had even the villain, the so-called villain, what he was fighting for was some sound principles. He was like, yo, there's 22 million of us in the world that don't have this technology, and our revolutions have failed as a people because we don't have this technology. I'm going to give this technology all the Africans, all the black people, and we're going to rise up. This is the so-called villain. So you can take that any kind of way. You can take, you say, okay, I see what he's fighting for. It spoke to the individual. And then at the same time, I thought it was subliminal that the white man was saying, okay, see how evil that is? So it is a conversation piece. I don't think that it's something we should take to either or extreme. That's why I call it hyper-hope. There's some pieces in there you can talk about. You can tie it to actual factual. You know, I think that we have to take a balance, and we have to be balanced about it. And balanced is the best way to be about it. It was a good piece. Let's go to our phone lines, though. I see our phone lines uh, lighting up. Let's 817-7732. Truth I'll power to the people on the panel and all the people. Uh, um, definitely um, appreciate the uh, empowerment. Oh, a few things. And, and first, um, the brother's name that played Killmonger is Michael B. Jordan. And he actually yeah. started in Fruitville Station and Creed. And Creed, right. Producer Ryan Coogler. A um, couple things. I'm kind of disappointed in a lot of people and a lot of black people and a lot of my conscious brothers and sisters who have had a lot of negative things to say about black people's reaction to the movie Black Panther, um, namely because we spend our movie on Marvel and Disney all the time. When black people go and watch Captain America and uh, the Avengers and uh, Incredible Hulk and all these other mm-hmm. movies, have invested so much of our money in that had nothing to do with us. We mm-hmm. do it all the time. That's one. Two, nobody said anything about black people when they ran out to go and see uh, Avatar, where it was a, a completely fictional movie that tried to tell a story, but everything about the movie was made up. The language was made up. The guys they were talking to about were made up. Everything was all made up. Now you get a movie where we can go and research all of the guys that they were speaking of. We can go and research all of the language that they were speaking in the movie. Everything can be researched and sought out. 
That's mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Three, I got to say this, and I and I hope I don't offend anybody, anyone on the panel. Hold on, hold on one second for me, brother. One second. Well, I, you know, it's the it's 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 like I said, and while you're taking that time, I do the call sign. You're listening to the. And, uh, and I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry about that, brother. But yeah. um, I'm I'm gonna say something that I I don't want to offend anybody, but it has to be said. Black people in America have invested so much of their time, energy, and money in a fictional, immaculate conception story for hundreds of years, and nobody says anything about it. And now we get a movie that gives so much inspiration and revelation and hope and insight for us as a people, and everybody is like, like as though we've lost our minds. Mm-hmm. I think that that's, you know, my whole thing with that, sister, I think a lot of that is conditioning. I think that we've been conditioned that when we see ourselves being, you know, putting the forefront, when we see ourselves really doing something that can be positive, we find, you know, ways to um, negate that. I saw it. I told you this is reminiscent to me of when Barack Obama won the presidency. And mm-hmm. everything, you know, people were like, oh, that nigga ain't going to do that. And, and here was the funny part. These were some of the same people that don't even talk about voting. These were some, were some of the same people that would tell you politics is a sham, it's a farce, why get involved. But they had all this condemnation and criticism of President Barack Obama because a black man. May, I think that that is, really has to be a mental conditioning. So I see the same thing when we talk about the movie The Black Panther. I've seen people just really, and I'm not just talking about people who have had um, you know, pretty good, um, um, not only say critiques, but concerns and comments. But I've seen it be outright just roasted. And I couldn't understand why the, the disdain for it. When it goes back to like you said, you know, we spend millions of dollars or we entertain ourselves on all kinds of things all the time. So now here we're spending, we're, doing, we're not doing anything different than we've been doing. We are not doing anything different than we've been doing. The, 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 the movie industry is a billion-dollar industry. Eating is a billion-dollar industry. Entertainment right. is a billion-dollar industry. Music, television. So we're not doing anything that we haven't been doing. But I think what happens is when you put all black shit, you even in, even in black people, yeah, no, I'm just agreeing with you. All black. You know, yeah. at some point I understand it's not the whole, but like you said earlier, Shell is owned by white people too. Everything mm-hmm. that we put our hands on in in America is pretty much owned by white people. So, you know what, me personally, I don't have a problem with seeing these brothers and sisters get paid for their work because I think they did outstanding job and they should be compensated for the work that they put in. I don't have a problem with that. And another thing too, I said, you know what? Do you know how many black families run and take their children to Disney World and Disneyland mm-hmm. every day? Yeah. Walt Disney can't make nearly as much money off a movie as he do off them parks where people are crying out every day. 
been yeah. been doing it since Walt since Disney World and Disneyland been open. Ain't nobody ever came out and said, "Black people, y'all need to stop going to Walt Disney World. Y'all need to stop mm-hmm. going to Disneyland." None of that. They can do all of that, mm-hmm. but now we get something that is going to enlighten the people. I have had teachers at the school who know they're black, know their roots are African. I had so many teachers walk up to me today because I, I didn't go to work Monday, but today with just a different demeanor, so enthusiastic, so hope-filled, so, and it's like everything that I have ever represented in this building has come full circle to some of these mm-hmm. black women, and they're like, I even had one teacher say, did you go and see our movie? And it kind of threw me off guard because I never, she's never made a reference to black authenticity. And mm-hmm. she did today. And she she said, you know what? I got to have that movie in my house. And she began to ask me questions. And she's like, I know you know. Is this made up? Is this made up? Mm-hmm. I had to show her the goddess best sex. I had to show her who they were actually praying to. This is it, these are things. He, Ron Coogler, I give my hat, tip my hat to him, and I think he deserved every penny that Walt Disney put in his pocket because yeah, he absolutely. actually inspired some people to think. Hey, listen, you know, you we have to. I love the fact is like what you're saying, and I have to give kudos to the director. I have to get kudos to the actors in it because that's exactly what it is. It did its role. It did more to, I think, one of the the most positive things that came out of the movie is it did more than just entertain. It allowed a conversation to be had. Mm-hmm. It opened up doors to people who would normally not want to hear what they quote, and I'm and I'm quoting, and and I'm a watch the language verb as well because we have families listening to it. Especially we said we're going to talk about Panthers, so I know children listen. But who really, a lot of times say, I don't want to hear that black stuff. It allows, it, 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 it is opening the door and providing an opportunity for a heartfelt conversation on our Africanness. On, you know, on black things. Like you said, whether you're coming from, I was as one who reveres the Egun, their ancestors, and one who, you know, uh, acknowledges and commemorates and lights candles for their ancestors. I was impressed and even excited to see that reflected in the movie. Like you said, wasn't no over over Islam, wasn't no over Christianity, wasn't nothing, mm-hmm. you know, even going back to an African spiritual system of revering and giving yes. homage and praise to the ancestors. So there was yes, a lot sir. of things that allowed to open up for conversations. I go back again to say that I think some of it is you know, when we find these people coming home like that, and, and and this is not just talking about my people who have questions. I think that this should be open for debate. Let me give out the call sign. You're listening to the People's Black Panther Party, Independence Blog Talk Radio. On a Tuesday, we're talking about the Black Panther movie, movie, uh, movie Hype or Hope. You know, is it more hype than anything? Are black people overdoing it? Are you getting too involved in this? Or is there some hope? In it. Is it something that can be used as inspiration and motivation? You know the rules. Press one. We'll acknowledge you. We'll come to love you, to have you click in. We got um, Sister Ifa Nikkei that, you know, in with us, chilling, giving our intake with us. So come in. Let us know how you feel about it. Because, um, well, 
I saw the movie. I didn't see anything that really just would have me like, uh, you know. And I went. And I'm gonna be honest, as a person, you know, and as someone who watches the propaganda machine of this oppressive state, I know how propaganda works. I was looking. And I did mm-hmm. see some things. I, I wrestled with some things. You know, one of the things I wrestled with was, you know, the I still saw the division in the African and the African-American. I felt like, oh, why the African-American got to be a nigger-like? You know what I'm saying? But then right. when he went to talk about why he's doing it, I realized he wasn't a nigger. I realized he was an African from America. He was like, yo, I didn't see my, I didn't see failed revolutions. While y'all over here on cushiony, living large, I didn't see more people rising up and be and, and be squashed. Twenty two million of us. So then he didn't become so villainous to me. He wasn't so much niggery. I was feeling his pain. I was like, shit, I feel yeah, man, tell him get off the damn throne and pass a nigga one of them laser guns. Let us rise up, you know what I'm saying? So I was feeling his struggle and I was feeling that struggle of being, you know, us as revolutionaries who are egalitarian and who are humanitarians and practicing humanism. Um, I felt their thing of being, listen, we can't emulate our oppressor. You know, like he had told the guy, you're trying to do the same thing that was done to you, and you can't emulate your oppressor. Or, mm-hmm. you know, because we know as a revolutionary principle, oppression breeds resistance. If we, emu- if we emulate them and oppress or begin to uh, suppress certain people, then they're going to develop a, re- uh, a, a resistance movement. And and this whole change, this revolution, this civil war, this fighting and struggle and conflict on the planet Earth, on Mother Earth, never stops. So we have to be the ones that bring back this balance and this harmony between humanity, between nature, between animals and all things living and all things animate and inanimate objects as revolutionaries. But I, you know, I don't want to digress. To go back to the movie, I think that, like I said, two things, my point's two things, and I see you, Carla, we're coming straight to the phone lines. One, it provided an opportunity to discuss. It, yeah. it it allowed me to have be able to discuss with my children. You know, sometimes they don't always want to hear about daddy, and they come out, oh, man, Africa, you always be talking about Africa. I didn't know Africa was that bad. I was like, oh, it's way better than me. In the movie, let me tell you about so-and-so. Let me tell you about the Timbuktu, the first universe. Let me tell you about Mansimus. Let me tell you about this brother and that brother. So, it all, you know, now they see Africa, and, and it's unfortunate. You know, it's unfortunate that it takes a movie to do that, but I'm not one of those that's going to sit there, oh, I've been telling you, now the white man tell you, now you want to listen. Right. I'm not going right. to go through However, that. However we get it. However we get it. However we get it. Okay, let us get before it. I, before I forget my thought real quick, yeah. for me, it was so refreshing to see a movie of that caliber with that much Afrocentricity and that much authenticity because oftentimes when we get black movies into the theaters, they are movies like Fruitville Station. They are movies like Nat Turner. They are movies like Detroit. They are movies that um, bring more um, shame to us as a black race and and our – situation in this country than something it was very uplifting and I applaud the brother I'm gonna keep saying it you know it is time for black people to be inspired because oftentimes when we're dealing with the minds of the masses everybody is not going to catch it everybody is not going to go to the library and actually Mm -hmm. sit down and read 
that number is going to be very small. It's going to be more people watching regular scheduled programming than sitting down reading a book. So it was just time for a, a paradigm shift in yeah. regular scheduled programming for in Cinemark Theater for black people. And I say I'll shade to Ryan Kubler who put that movie together and directed that mm-hmm. movie also eloquently to mm-hmm. uplift the um, pride of North American black people for a change instead of seeing us in a situation where we're being hung, shot down, uh, degraded, uh, uh, killed, murdered, you know, mm-hmm. just all of that. Mm-hmm. It was a very refreshing movie for black America. In the I agree. Season. I listen. Yeah. I'm in. Brother, I'm in. I'm in total agreement. Let's brother. This let's is go to Doctor Justice. I yeah. just wanted to make a, 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 a. I just wanted to piggyback off what she said. You know, um, mm-hmm. there is a paradigm shift. You even have the police departments talking about they want to come into the neighborhoods and see what it is that the people want. Um, and a lot of times, also, um, she made a lot of good points when she said um, there's a lot of the, the languages and the things that happen that you can Google because, you know, what was ironic to me was when I was watching The Exorcist one time and they kept saying that Damien's uh, mother was a jackal. So yeah. I looked up the word jackal and come to find out mm-hmm. jackal is a dog that comes straight out of Africa. Listen, listen. Listen, listen, ladies, because we get, I want to be respectful to the caller who has been holding now for all of 18 minutes. Okay. But hold that, hold that thought, hold that thought, because I, I do want to, you know, I don't want to lose our caller, and I want to be respectful. Um, okay. 954-6517, your mic is open. Uh, Black Power family, what's going on? Black Power. All right. Hey, so... Um, the thing about the Black Panther is that I think a lot of people miss, or a lot of people are getting to the point, but they miss the thing. It, it is a Marvel movie, true. It is a Disney yeah. movie, true. They gave this brother, they made this brother, Ryan Coogler and Joe Cole. Those are the two writers that wrote the movie. They put him in charge of a $200 million movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a, all right, so meaning that this is a mainstream movie. This movie... Right when they put a black person in charge of a two hundred million dollar movie, it's not for black people. But what a lot of people fail to miss is what Ryan Coogler did. Now, a lot of revolutionaries are complaining, say, "Oh, you know, the revolutionary died at the end, and all these other things." But they miss the part where he actually elevated the uh, revolutionary brother Eric Stevens, aka Killmonger. Right. So what I got from it is two things. One. The movie is the A Black Panther versus Marvel's Stanley's Black Panther, meaning that you had the brother from Oakland, saw all the things that was going on with black people and continue to go on with black people, and he said, you know what? This is what we need. We need a revolution. At no time did anybody in the movie ever say, you're wrong. They talk about he's going about it the wrong way, but nobody ever disagreed with him. You understand what I'm saying? Nobody ever said, oh, black people is in the press. Nobody ever said that, well, we don't need a revolution. They just, they were mad in the way that he went about. But as far as elevating a revolutionary, that's what Ryan Coogler and Joe Cole did. You don't see that in a mainstream movie. How could you be pissed off at that? 
he is elevating a revolutionary. Yes, he dies at the end, but again, this is a $200 million Disney Marvel movie. What do you think? We're going to yeah. win at the end? That's not going to happen. But what you miss in the middle is, one, the fight scene. Like, people have to realize that fight scene is important, and here's why it's important. He beat the Black Panther, Marvel's Black Panther, yeah. fair and square. Fair and square. Yeah. In movies, when you have a villain that's fighting the, the good guy, right, he usually cheats mm-hmm. or he does something in order for him to win. He didn't do anything for him to win. He went fair and square. So automatically, yeah. as an audience, you're going to connect with that person. Like, oh, okay, he just beat him because he's better. He's not a villain. He's better. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly yeah. what he did. Other and, things that and listen, he put in And the thing he told him, when he, when he was fighting, and, I, and I'm going to hold your point because I, I want you to come right back. When he was fighting, I love the part where he tells him, he says, you know, and I fought all over the world, and I came here to Africa and fought my own brothers and sisters. And sisters, exactly. 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 He used the term brothers and sisters. Villains don't use brothers and sisters, you know. Right. They they don't care. They don't have a cause. They're just villains. They're in there for for themselves. So that right there, that's an elevation of the, of the the black nationalism, that's an elevation of somebody who's a revolutionary. So another thing that he did is that he made the audience connect with the villain, with the oh, so-called villain, I should say, with the whole thing about him going back with his father and then understanding his plight. So all those things were put in there so us as a people could connect with this so-called villain where really he is not a villain. And for Ryan Coogler and Joe Cole, to be able to do that within, again, a mainstream paradigm, you have to applaud that. You cannot be yeah. mad at that. Is, Anybody is my mic yeah. on or is my mic muted? You're on. You're on. Not only that, I just want to piggyback off of what the brother said. Usually in a film like that where you have a villain and you have a hero, the hero doesn't give the villain an opportunity or option of life and death either. And so we got to keep in mind at the end of the movie, Panther did give him the option. He told him, we can save you. You can be saved. What do you want to do? So he actually sacrificed his own self, and that's when you put in a movie, but that also gave us that bridge gap. You know, that also uh, uh, bridge that gap in between the two individual people, and it also Mm. shows compassion within a hero and a villain. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, he didn't just die at defeat. He said, "No, I, it, death is better than um, bondage." I, and I'm right. gonna die like my people. Put me in the ocean right. like my people, because they even they knew death is better than bondage. Is what he said. And so you still right. see that brotherhood connection between those two. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I thought that. that so, yeah. Yeah. No, Continue, it, brother, the movie, yeah, yeah, the movie is not, again, the movie is not just a movie. The movie is, well, again, I don't know the brother Ryan Coogler, but from a, as a person who understands, you know, how um, um, writing scripts and how those things work, this is a person who is obviously giving you a message. So if you get the message, you get it. If you don't get it, you don't get it. And then to add to that, everything around the, the Black Panther movie, 
in regards to the writing. Everything is pro-black. Everything is about Africa. Yeah. Everything is black. So, again, that's adding on to it. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with the movie, if you understand it. But also, too, stop with madness where people, um, for the most part, the people who are saying something's wrong with this movie, this is the brother, again, it's a $200 million movie that they gave this brother. So, no, and he's not going to be, the movie was gonna, wasn't going to be shouting black power and this and that. Of course not. You're not going to get that. But what he did is that he did enough. If you're able to see that, you know, that whole thing, if you guys listen, if you, guys, if you have eyes, you know, see, that's, that's the whole thing right there. So there's nothing else that Ryan Cooper or Joe Cole have done for that movie. You know, uh, in order for it to come out any better, it's one of the best movies that we've had in years. And for people dissing the movie or not understanding it, I'm gonna ask one question: When was the last time that you seen a black revolutionary character uncompromising on a mainstream movie like this? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I think that that's a good point. That's a good point. But it goes, you know, to me, it goes, it speaks to when I hear all the criticism, uh, when I hear the naysayers and everyone that has a problem with it, it speaks to, like I said, a larger condition that exists within the black community. And that's the effects of, you know, what we're talking about, that post-traumatic slave disorder. You know, when we see anything that where we're out in the forefront, when we come out in numbers and support, or people, or us as African people become enthused or enthusiastic about an event or a movie or anything that we do, you will find people, and, and especially amongst African people, that will come and You know, and like I said in my opening, like in my opening monologue, that we spend, we spend billions, we spend trillions of dollars on entertainment anyway. So at the right. very least, what we should come away with is a sense of thank you, Marvel, thank you, Disney, for recognizing the value of my black dollar by giving me what my money has been paying for, what my money has been crying for, what my money has been yearning, and that's because I'm a superhero buff anyway. I like superheroes anyway. You know, I, someone can can you someone put their phone on mute until they're talking? I'm getting an echo. So. I like I like superheroes anyway. You know, I've seen Spider-Man. I've seen Batman. I've seen Thor and all the Marvels, X-Men, and all, because I, I genuinely like superheroes. So to finally be able to go and see a superhero, and like the brother, like you so eloquently put it, brother, I love that, a high-budget production, a superhero, <coughs> excuse me, with such a budget that um, allowed me to, really enjoy myself, you know, um, to the extent of he wasn't cheesy, he wasn't a sidekick like we always catch the black superhero. It wasn't poorly produced or poorly budgeted where it was on some cheesy type of stuff. It was high-budget production. It was replete with African people, star-studded. They were kicking ass. They were doing super superhero-type feats, you know, and it was all reflective. It didn't it didn't have Africa in a negative light. It didn't reflect Africa in a negative light. I can, at the very least of it all, if you didn't come away with a message from it, at the very least, black people who already spend trillions of dollars entertaining themselves should say, thank you for finally giving me something 
that my dollar is worth. Because I go to your restaurants, I go to your other movies, I go um, to your um, like uh, so they, to your amusement park, I buy your clothing and your video games and your music. I do all of that anyway. So thank you, as a conscious black person who has small children, giving me who love superheroes who will put a towel around their neck and run around here like a cape or the use. Well, I won't say that now. That put it like that. Run around here, you know, like superheroes. They can have a a superhero that I don't mind them, and I, that I don't mind it to right down to the very origin of that superhero being African. You have to love it. Let's go to the phone lines. Keep your eyes open. Uh, I'm all the mics open because I'm in the conversation. I want to go to our phone lines. Eric code two one six. Let me two one six. Oh, it's not over there. 216 Your mic is over. Black Power, comrade. Black Power. Black Power. Black Power, brother. Black Power. Yes. Uh, it's uh, one thing that uh, I would like to say, and it's for a generation. The movie must be utilized by you and I to organize and educate and move forward. I will tell you why. The movie is a propaganda movie, and we need to use it in this day and time. There already been, and I got a clipping right here, rumors about the films. Uh, Los Angeles say they haven't heard anything about it. Chicago say they haven't heard anything about it. Uh, Houston said they haven't heard uh, uh, anything about it. But I just want to read this article that came in the paper. The Black Panthers and a young black man at the theater shouted, you in the wrong place, Cracker. And then one family uh, criticized uh, about the movie said that two black men uh, interrupted the uh, showing and attacked their family. Now, that just rumors that is going on. The more the movie, the Black Panthers, uh, grow, the term Panther will make its name known, and we have to organize the people because we're an African people. And I'll tell you why. As a member of the Black Panther Party since the 60s, our greatest battle started with dealing with the drug dealers and the heroin dealers when they produced Superfly. When Superfly came out, a class of gangsters utilized the whole Superfly movie. They sold more cocaine spoons than in the history. More shops sold those spoons. Why? Because of the propaganda glorified a Negro with a long coat on, a big hat on, and a car that looked like a fly called Superfly. So when we look at the movies, we have to look at the propaganda in the movies. And it's happening that this slipped through. And we have to utilize it, educate our people that, sure, the Panther, we understand that we're an African people. We have an African culture that we got to bring back in. And I agree with what you said, Yanga, when you seen the brother and sister that was Dashiki, that was a star, but that was uh, Dashiki on body, but it wasn't Dashiki in the mind. And so we have to utilize 
what they put out there, mm-hmm. and we have to go forward with it. And I think that uh, when they wake up, I think when they wake up, they're gonna say, "Damn, we made a mistake." Yes, you did, because you underestimate the conscious of the brothers and sisters who are looking for an identity. Once again, exactly. I say, compare that to Superfly. What Superfly, the damage that Superfly did to the black community, how I know I'm one of the Louisville Southern Black Panthers mm-hmm. that moved against the heroin dealers, that moved against the drug dealers, and paid a great pipe, uh, price. But we was able to be freed by the people. But that movie made our work hard. And the movie. So let's take advantage of Panthers. Exactly. And 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 I'm gonna say this. And like you said, you know they they have those little incidents. They say happened. I can't say they didn't happen, but I can say that the the um, energy that was in the theater that I went to, if some Negroes would have got out of line, I don't know if they'd have made it up out of that theater. Everybody was on they African. I mean, it was love. I seen like I said, I seen them in the Dicees and the and the I seen brothers, hardcore brothers. I know these brothers was hardcore. You know, with the um Corey shells on and, and they was in the whole vibe of African unity and just being, a, you know, on some black African stuff. You know, even though I think, you know, because, listen, one, one of the things I'm going to say, the genius of Marvel, the genius of um, uh, Disney, what's the, what's, the, what's the director's name again? Brian Cooper. Someone? Brian Cooper. The genius, what is it? Okay. The genius of this brother in directing the film at the current time. See, we got to understand timing, too, with the current Trump administration, everything that's going on against the black man and the black woman. The timing is excellent. So, you know, coming in on this whole propaganda piece, it was, even though it is a white film, white funded, uh, and all of those things that we know of, it is. I think to a lot of the black people, it was a thumb at the nose at the established system. They felt like that. We had one one same thing. It was almost the same energy I felt when President uh, uh, Barack Obama took, you know, took the over office. It was that same type of excitement and was energy. For even people that don't get involved in politics, the fact that it was a historic moment. Whether you agreed with Barack Obama's policies or not, to me personally, personally, he has to be probably almost up there with one of the – he was a bad sitting president as far as policies and procedures. You know, under his watch, he killed more American citizens. But, uh, but the historic, the historical fact of a black person sitting in the White House wasn't missed on me, and I was moved to emotion by it, that the, a black person had won the election. And was the president of the United States. I was more any black person. I don't think there's not one black person when that happened. Later on, we went through, we had our differences when we saw the policies and the things, his administration. But at that initial moment, I don't think there was a black person that said, damn, a black person, a black man has actually won the presidency of the United States. It was a historical moment. It was something that moved. And I felt that the movie The Black Panther, almost had that same type of electricity, that same type of energy. 
for because we're not talking about when you're talking about these billions of dollars being spent in the movie, we're not talking about from the conscious community. See, this is what we have to remember. These right. aren't so called revolutionaries. These aren't so called conscious communities. These are everyday brothers and sisters, the masses that have been galvanized to come to one spot and in that one spot through a movie has been has been informed and brought to some type of um self awareness and even like the brother was telling us some of the lessons dropped in it, political awareness. Mm-hmm. And as Let revolutionary Cultural awareness. You said what? I said in cultural awareness. And cultural awareness. Chevy Carr, you want to say something? Uh, yes. And see, uh, uh, brothers and comrades, uh, we should be proud and definitely uh, our comrades uh, who are in the uh, prisons, uh, locked down, our comrades who are in exile, if it were called the black cat, it will not got that much feedback. But the Panther, saying a black Panther, brothers and sisters have to understand that brothers and sisters been raised up in the community. Most communities understand our breakfast program, our program they raised up on, and now they see a black Panther. And when brothers and sisters sit there, that word Panther carry a lot of spiritual weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That word panther carries a lot of spiritual weight with it. And we see it in the man plan, but God plan. We are throw mm-hmm. out a lot and end up being the truth. But whether we are prepared to see, see the truth is one thing. And they threw it out, and the young brothers and sisters seeing the truth. And they say, oops. They might That's make, why you. Go ahead, brother. They might make the millions, but our job is to organize the millions. That's that's why I think that it was perfect timing because, you know, the, the superhero Black Panther has been out since 1965. He actually came out before the Black Panther Party. But that timing was... Uh, I, uh, I have the comic books uh, read here, three or four comic books, uh, Black Panther, Civil War, Black Panther. I have a collection of comic books, and uh, yeah. I'm going to uh, Cleveland State tomorrow. We're doing a program on Malcolm, and I'm going to lay the tape out. With the uh, the the uh, the comic books and let them know this been in the making and so we have to accept that blessing and move forward. I'm sorry for cutting y'all, right. but when they say pamphlets, the people know what it means. Absolutely, and that's why I said that the timing was perfect. You know, like the the hero, the Black Panther came out in 1965 before U.N.M. came out. They had they had actually when the Black Panther Party came out. They had actually changed the Black Panther's name to the Black Leopard because there was so much controversy surrounding that. But he went back, but Stanley and his brilliance again went back to the original Black Panther because the controversy surrounded. But then when he saw where you and them were going with it, and you know, I, and this is my opinion, of course, the, that he also used that as a propaganda piece and changed his name back to the Black. He went to Black Panther, the Black Leopard, back to the Black Panther. I think now is just the same. 
just the same thing of using the current time with the current administration, with the climate, the racial climate, white supremacy on the rise, the murder, the indiscriminate murder of black men and black women, black African people, oppressed African people in, in America clamoring for liberation, for freedom, for a, a positive identity, to stop being seen as a nigga and systematically destroyed or targeted for destruction and genocide and fratricide and every other thing else that this repressive state has uh, dumped upon Africans here, that this coming out was right on time. And I think that the director took an opportunity to put a message Come on. to African people. And he dropped a message. Let me go to my phone lines. I see that we have someone um, holding. Let me go. Every call 762-6675. Your mic is open. Black Power, my brother. Black Power, brother. Black Power. What's going on? This brother Robert calling from behind enemy lines with Chairman Hakeem, man. Yes, sir. How's the brother? How's the brother Chairman? I ain't heard from him. I ain't hear from him last week. Man, I'm, I'm here. here. I'm, I'm here. My, my ex tied up right now. They call us ex because it puts you in the matrix. <clears throat> okay, okay. I'm making sure, man, you good, man. Yeah, I'm good. Huh? Black Power. Black power. Yeah. What's going on, wanted, brother Robert? Share something with us, man. Man, I wanted to touch on um how you said everybody was looking and feeling and dressed and you know that was that just goes back to, you know, when I was saying, you know, that's how we gotta get our people again, man, 'cause they so far into entertainment and, and, and blinded by the music and the T V. Yep. That's how we yep. gonna get them. You know what I'm saying? We're yep. gonna have to Imagine putting that on TV every day instead of that crazy love and hip-hop stuff. You know, imagine, you know, putting that in our music. And, you know, that's what we're hearing in our music now instead of us hurting and killing each other, man. So it just shows that that's the way, you know. That's, that's going to be one of the tactics we have to use to get majority of the people, you know what I'm saying, because that's what they're really yeah. attracted to. So you got to kind of give people what they want. And, you know, that's kind of what they want. A lot of people... You know, be be struck by boredom or feeling like, oh, it ain't worth it. But if you if you show them that image and, and show them how beautiful it can be and how real it is, you know, you can get majority of the people, man. So you know, I just want us to keep in mind that you know that can be a, a strong tactic for us to win. You know, I appreciate that, and you're absolutely right. And and I think you hit on a key point. A lot of times, consciousness can come off as. Um, Egg-headedness, and when I mean when I say egg-headedness, I mean overly intellectual. It can be over intellectual, over intellectualized. You know, nobody wants to see any. You know, we just start spitting these facts about Africa at them, just throwing them like bricks at the head, and they're like, "Oh, you know, slow down." But here we had something that was, you know, not just informative, but it was entertaining. You know, not just that I, you know, you come away from with like that brother was saying earlier. You know, various perspectives. <laughs> A revolutionary perspective, um, the different perspectives from our brothers on the continent, as opposed to a brother from Africa, you know, the African that was raised up in America, like he was saying, the things that he had grown up seeing, his desires and aspirations for the upliftment and advancement of African people. And he had, and he thought that his way was going to be achieved by the same way that he saw them achieve it. You know, so we seen, I saw in the brother, though his intentions was right, the effects of neocolonialism. And how many of us as revolutionaries 
suffer from that same thing. How many of us want to rise up and take power through armed conflict and oppress our people through armed? Like he said, we be our people be armed and we have armed control like they had armed control of us. How many of us espouse this same type of revolutionary rhetoric and sensationalism that is not grounded in any revolutionary theory, any practical theory, or anything that could possibly be had or won by the African here in America? And I know it's going to be some people mad at me, but, yeah, I said it. You can't have it like that. My chief and staff and I were just talking about it earlier, and we got a good laugh of how people got small, you know, arms and think they're going to win some type of armed conflict with a, with a warmonger. That's, yeah, that's uh, not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, and, uh, one thing, you know, I want to point out that I noticed is that um, – you know, the masters know they're supposed to follow the pamphlet. All they did was mention the word pamphlet, and everybody then woke up. You got yeah. Egyptian kings and queens. They don't even know what this shit about. They don't even know what it's yeah. about, but they know they're supposed to be following this. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's, crazy. Like with, it's embedded. Exactly. It's like what Chairman Kahar said, man, and this is why I salute what we call third development Panthers more commonly referred to are known as the original black Panther party is this is why I salute them. They were so thorough in their job that when you say Panther, Panther has become the emblem and the symbol of resistance and liberation, anti-oppression, anti-exploitation. It has become the symbol of upliftment and advancement for African people, not just here nationally, but internationally and globally. There have been so many when hewing them, Incorporated and took on the name Panther and became the Black Panther Party for Self Defense. There have been so many Black Panther parties that have sprouted out and spread up internationally and not just here in America. So, you know, I salute, man, my hats off to our predecessors who waged that struggle and that fight to make that, to make that cat a symbol of resistance and a symbol of hope. For a better tomorrow and a brighter future For oppressed people everywhere But particularly and specifically Oppressed African people Right here on the shores of North America And that's what led to the success Part of the success Of the movie Black Panther Because like Chairman Carl was saying When they seen that Panther They weren't expecting anything less And I am one to say that the movie did not disappoint It did not disappoint And I'm glad And I'm glad yeah, you know, what I'm saying? Yeah. don't give us, a, don't don't stick us with the bad screenplay. And, okay. You know what I'm <laughs> Look, the brother wasn't cheesy, nephew. When I tell you, because I don't want to go into it without, you know, divulging too much. The brother wasn't cheesy. The storyline wasn't cheesy. The messages you know, that were dropped. Huh? You know, I'm gonna see it. You know, I'm gonna see it. Too. I don't know you're gonna see it. That's a mandatory must. The messages that were dropped weren't even just so subliminal. They were right there. They were overt messages. The brother was saying, like at the end, like the brother who came on early was talking about um, when, you know, you had these two. And I, and I don't even like to call the brother that was supposed to be the villain a villain. It was no, it wasn't black and white. It was no superhero and no villain. It was a conflict between means of achieving the same thing, better for all humanity and particularly African people. The king wanted it for African people. That brother wanted African. They disagreed on the ways, and it led into a conflict, and it has to be for good story-making. But at the end, you saw the unity. When, when the brother had beat the brother and the brother was dying, 
And Panther took him out, allowed him to see. He said, listen, my father told me this place was beautiful. He saw his last sunset. He said, listen, you know we can save you. And the brother told him, he said, and what, being bondaged? He said, listen, dump me in the ocean with the rest of my ancestors who jumped off the boat because they knew that death was better than bondage. I said, damn. Brother went out like a gangster. Came in like a gangster, went out like a gangster. Revolutionary, so like you were saying, yeah, they said, well, the revolutionary dies at the end, did he? You know, did he? Actions never die. Courage never dies. Inspiration never dies. Realness never dies. The physical might make the transition from the earth. Like in Islam, we say, From God we come, to God we return. Ash to ashes, dust to dust. But that energy never dies. The cause will never die with the human being. The human being is just a physical manifestation of the cause. And that brother was a physical manifestation of that cause that he felt. And it wasn't even so much of a hatred. He was addressing them. His, his is so humorous throughout the movie because he still addressed them as family. You know, he came, he said, ask me who I am. Ask me who I am. Somebody finally found out, who are you? He said, I'm the son of so-and-so. I'm the son of Jabba, who is the mm-hmm. son of this and that. You know, I got a claim. And then looked at the Black Panther's mother and told her, hey, auntie. He's still in love. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that part? So it's hilarious. Yes. He yes. When he was fighting the Black Panther, he said, cousin. He said, this is this how it's going to be, cousin? So he still acknowledged family ties. They acknowledged the ancestors. And one of the deepest parts that, you know, really got me is, you know, they have this ritual that when you take on the mantle of this panther, that you go see your ancestors. And he went, and so when the so-called villain, took the mantle of the Black Panther and they went to see them to his ancestors. He didn't go where the other Panthers went, which was to the mother tree in Africa where the other Panthers were. He went back to Oakland where his father was. And his father said, I wish I'd have took you back. I wish mm-hmm. I'd have, you know, this because he said, now we're here. We can't even go back. Even our, when you transcend that ancestral plane, you don't even transcend the ancestral plane in Africa. You're right here with me in Oakland. And he said, here we are. Disconnected. The brother, still being a brother, he told him, he said, man, maybe we're not the ones lost. Maybe they lost because they ain't found us. So it was an accusation and an indictment for our brothers on the continent to come together for unity. Maybe we aren't the lost ones, the Africans here in North America, the ones we won, we tried so hard to escape this American experience we had. We want to be Indian. We want to be Muslim. We want to be Hebrew, Jew, Christian, everything but a black in America. Maybe, brother and sister, you aren't the one that's lost. Let me share Maybe you aren't the one that's lost. Yeah. It's one thing that brother and sister have to understand why the movie is so important. This is why the Black Panther Party in general, that's Panther in America, whatever we call ourselves, a Panther in America, we have to understand this. When oppression came down us so deep in America, and this is the elder speaking, what was the first refuge that we had when we went to exile was in Africa? We even had a international office in Algiers. We went to Ghana. African peoples on the continent accepted us in exile. Our great brother, 
Geronimo Preck, may Allah be pleased with him, was in Africa. We look at many comrades that went to Africa, that panther, we choose the panther over the donkey and the elephant in America as a symbol for democracy, and we choose the panthers. So I'm saying that we have to get off our butt, utilize this, and I don't like to use the word capitalize, but if I have to use it, capitalize on this, begin to organize the young brothers and sisters now going in there seeing that. When they see that movie come back to the community, we must have a propaganda program, some type of program to take this movie forward because once it's off the stream, then we are the movie. We are the stream, the real life. And then we got to let them know that what you've seen, now let's put it to the action. Those dashiki you wore in the movie, don't mm-hmm. take them off. Let me give you the meaning of the dashiki. It ain't a costume. It ain't a costume yeah. a movie. Now we're finna get down. You're finna see the if, panther. If I may, let me just agree with it with, with with the elder real quick. I agree with everything he's saying wholeheartedly. Um, as a person who reads and, and practice uh new nature science, we learn that revolution is a natural cycle in the universe. And so we know that it's confirmation that naturally revolution is supposed to happen because this time the white man couldn't even stop it because we know when black people direct movies, they have to go through white people to okay it to go to mainstream. So like he said, there are no more excuses because even the white man couldn't stop this revolutionary move right here. So there are no more excuses. We do have to act on what has been put in front of us. And I and I agree with him. You know, it's hard to say capitalize, but it's hard not to say it as well. Be, and, 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 and that's another thing that we got to get out of because the European, you know, that's what my brother Yanga always talks about, their neocolonialism mentality. They have perverted everything so much to where we don't even know that everything within this realm has a negative and a positive. So we can indeed say capitalize and use it in the most positive connotation available to us to know what that means and what needs to be done, what action. That is an action word. It means let's get busy. It's time to go to work. There are no more excuses, none. Mm -hmm. That that Mm -hmm. was one giant step right there. Now we just got to keep it going. You know, and like he said, they got to learn what a, a dashiki is. They got to learn that culture. They got to learn that this is not just a piece of cloth that you have on your body, but this is indeed a, a, a symbol of Well, I think culture. that, you know, like you said, that's the first, well, you're taking the first step and being able to, that's the first step taking. And the second step being is, a real analyzation of the society that we live in. I think far too many times the revolutionaries, the so-called revolutionaries, don't really take an analytical look at the society that we belong in and how it affects us as a people. So now we've had this movie, The Panther, come out, and we see what can be done. We must begin to demand 
positive black images immediately. And those and real people, quick, and, yeah, real quick. Let me let me let me say something. I don't know if the sister is still on the line, but I want to speak on this real quick. And if she can before we get off the line, to you know um, uh, speak on it a little bit more. But she talked about. She said. Um, even police officers want to come in the communities now and see what it is that we want. For me, we got to be careful with that because the enemy is the enemy. Like the brother said, there's a lot of people that went in there with dashikis on their bodies, but they didn't have dashiki minds. So even the black officers, we got to understand they have an agenda to serve. Me personally, I just think that it's time for us to move past the point where white people are asking us what we need or what we want in anything. We It's time for them to step back. And I would say more, y'all need to worry about these young white kids that's running up in these schools, shooting people down in droves, then worry about what we need because we got us. We're going to take care of what we need, and we don't. We just don't need their help anymore. Worry about your own kind. Well, we, we've never needed, I think that that goes into what we talk about when we talk about, I'm sorry, but you asked Sister Justice. Minister Justice, she asked you a particular question. I, I didn't jump in again, got to run in my mouth. Did you want to respond mm-hmm. to that or say something? She may be busy monitoring. Um, so she'll come back in. But we never really, I think that this is, it goes back into the lessons. This is one of the things that when we're talking about, since we're talking about Panthers, the so-called original Black Panther Party showed them that we didn't need the breakfast programs, the shoe refurbishing programs, the health clinics, the um, bus-to-prison programs, the um, you name it. It showed an, an ability to be independent. It showed an ability for the black community to be self-sufficient and that everything we need, every resource was contained in the black community, and it frightened the shit out of the uh, this repressive state the so-called American government, the thought that that nigger would rise up to independence because the state is run off niggerism. If a nigger doesn't participate in foolishness and buffoonery and, and unaccountable spending and um, just actions that will lead them to prison so they can enact slavery again, then this country actually stops. So we don't need them. But one of the things is, like I said, we take this as the first step on a journey of a thousand miles to begin to use it to educate our people. We have to be realistic. We may be at a certain level of consciousness and we have to rise our people to that. We have to demand, if we see a director like this brother and we love entertainment, see my whole thing is accountability and responsibility. That's where it starts. I'm not trying to tell anyone. I'm not one of those brothers that tells people, Oh, just leave everything, you know, don't watch television don't eat at this place, don't do that. What I start off with is accountability and responsibility. When you spend your dollar, where does that dollar go? What does this company support? What politician does this company support? What There's a thing called lobbyists. I try to teach our people about lobbyists. There are corporations who have people whose job is to go up to Washington, to go to the Senate, to the House, to go to what they call the Hill, and to go and to solicit to say to these politicians, we will endorse you if you do a certain policy. The police department has a lobbyist that says, if you pass this bill and that bill, the police department will support you because why? It creates more jobs. Maybe if you pass a bill that says we can use more force 
excessive force that gets us off the hook for these indiscriminate and blatant murders of unarmed black men and women. So they have lobbyists. And we spend unaccountably with these companies that go and support these politicians who make laws and design laws specifically for you and I. So it's unaccountable spending. So now when we find a director like this young man here who directed this movie and also directed Fruitvale and directed Creed, which I've seen both of those movies, see, that's what I'm telling you, I'm a moviegoer. So why not, you know, support a movie that has me reflected in it? I love that. But who has done a fantastic job with these movies and an excellent job with Panther, why not, you know, support him? And try to get him into a position where he has, because when these companies see that he has a support base and a following, they give him more permission. They give him, like the brother was talking about, that that million-dollar, billion-dollar budget to do more films that show us in a positive light. Because we are going to spend on entertainment. Let us get out of the habit of every time we come together or we do something that we have to, we feel compelled to tear it down. We feel compelled to find a deeper meaning. Like for me, it wasn't all that deep. I, it, it just wasn't. It wasn't about, the. Re- I'm a revolutionary, so I don't need a movie to inspire me, to inspire in me revolutionary actions. So the revolutionary or the conscious person shouldn't be looking for that from a movie. Don't be looking for it to inspire in you a revolutionary action. I went to be entertained. By a black superhero. I'm like, damn, I got to see this. I got to see all the other superheroes. But when I saw, as my revolutionary senses kicked in, when I saw the reaction that it was having amongst the masses of people. So we have to ask the revolutionary, are we sure that it's not a jealousy that Marvel and Disney has a reaction that we've been in the community trying to elicit out of our people? And if that's the case, then we need to swallow that, put that behind us, and take this opportunity to use it to galvanize the masses, to to begin to direct that energy, that vibration. Because now they have questions. They're open. But if we come and we berate them and belittle them and dog them out for doing the same things that we do, entertain ourselves. There's not one black person on his phone or out there in our community that doesn't have some form or source of entertainment. Even if you're using your Wi-Fi, um, Comcast, Infinity, come on, white people own it all. So when they have something where a black person is personified and uplifted and put out there, even though it's white back and white sponsored, hell, why not? And you know, you for me for me yeah. personally, it was just—it's disappointing to see some of the conscious brothers and sisters make some of the comments that they're making, as though they never had an aha moment, as though yeah. they never experienced the first to, of saying, "It's something not right about what I'm in," or you know, "It's something more to me being an African American." And I think yeah. that is a sad part that. And it still shows a, a, a part of our psychosis amongst us, the hate amongst us, because it's not like you didn't have an aha moment or you can't remember when you first entered into consciousness or whatever, and now you've become so high. You see mm-hmm. other people having their first aha moment, and you sit back like, 
damn, you just now, you know what I'm saying? That's the same thing. Yeah. We already have to deal with that from outsiders. We sh- we shouldn't have to deal with that amongst ourselves. You know, you should, that's just like the senior in high school looking at the freshman like, oh, you just got here, as though they were never a freshman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. come on, you know, everybody is not going to be on the same page at the same time, but if we make it to the, if we all make it to the end, whether you read the book in one week, it probably took me two weeks to finish reading it. It might have took another brother three days to finish reading it and, and another sister one day to finish reading it. But the ultimate goal was to complete the book. And yeah. so no matter how a person comes about finding their way back to authenticity, you know, we got to just accept them in their grandeur. We can't just be. We can't just start dissing them and then making them feel inadequate. And I'm gonna give you a prime example. Had a little kindergarten girl today brought to my classroom, and like I said, I do special ed. I deal with um, children who have been diagnosed with autism. But they brought this little kindergarten girl around to my classroom that was acting really irate in her classroom, and she said, "And in my classroom, there there are three of us: it's one teacher and two assistants." So, you know, they they said, "Miss Newton." Here, get her, because we know you get, you know, and I begin to have a conversation with her. And so it's raining in Texas. It's been raining. The kids couldn't go outside for recess. So as I talked to her, I sat her down. I said, come here, let me tie your shoes. You know, tied her shoes up and everything. And she said, well, I was stuffy, and I wanted to go okay. outside. I took her outside. Right, I'm going to go until she comes back. Let's go to our phone lines. I think we got Chairman Kahar again. Uh, Chairman. Yeah. I do want Chairman, to your mic's open. Okay. Uh, one is I I constantly go back to propaganda because it. Yeah, I think it's you, brother. We can hear you. You can't hear us. I can hear y'all. Something, something is muted. Uh, yeah, they've been blocking my phone. Hold a minute. No, Yanga, can you hear us? No, it's Yanga. It's Yanga that's muted out. He can't hear us. Well, continue, sis. And so, you know, I took the little girl. I, I took her outside. I, I walked her around, let her get some fresh air. We had a little conversation, and and so I I told her. She said she wanted to go to a certain teacher's classroom, and I said, well, okay, I will take you there, but first. I'm going to take you back to your teacher's classroom, and you have to apologize for being rude in her classroom. You have to apologize to her. She said, okay. And I took her, and as soon as the teacher opened up the door, she said, Miss um, such and such, I apologize to you for being rude. And the teacher, now you are an adult. You should be able as an adult or somebody who is well-read and, 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 and mature in your state should should have been able to put the ones and ones together and just say thank you. Well, the little girl said, I apologize for being rude, and the teacher said, uh, you wasn't just rude, you hit me. And the little girl yeah. said, oh, she said, oh, I'll never apologize to you again. And she she went and stood behind me with her back. To, to my back, even though she's a little small, she was in pre-K, but at that moment, 
you know, you shut her down. And what she felt in herself that she was trying to do to right her wrong, you made her feel so small in that moment instead of just embracing the fact that she came mm-hmm. back around here to apologize to you. And that's mm-hmm. what we're dealing with, too, as a people. You know, instead of us looking at the brothers and sisters who grabbed on to what they saw and were inspired by it and are saying, you know what, I want to get to know who I am. I want to get to know my culture. I want to, you know, we can't just be like, dang, you just now getting it? You just now mm-hmm. catching on? Come on now. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. you know, I was I was reading a uh, a psychology book called Teacher and Child, and, and, and what it is is it's a small book, and what it is it breaks down how uh, big an effect the teachers have on the children mm-hmm. growing up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because you know you can think back, be like, oh my science teacher, she, I don't like her from way when. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you know that's one that's one thing we need to focus on more. You know what I'm saying? Is 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 who's teaching? You know what I'm saying? Because you might have right. the good teacher. You might have the good teacher down the hall, and then you got a teacher that's just promoting negativity every day. And, yeah. and the thing of it is, is that for those of us who are a part of this so-called conscious community or movement or what have you. Yeah, all of us, we, we got to look at that term teacher in a more broader perspective than just looking at it as the person that's standing in front of the classroom that's dictating to the children what to do. No, that teacher is degreed. She's well-read. She has earned a a certification of completion in her field of study. And for most of us conscious brothers and sisters, we have too. So now we can't go around belittling those of um uh, uh, those of us who still are childlike in their thinking as far as when it comes to culture and who they are in this country. We can't do that because we have certified ourselves or have been certified in an area that that puts us above the rest. Well, you know, I like what you – okay, yeah, go ahead, Chairman Carr, because you've been on hold. Go, go ahead. Yeah, one, uh, I worked in the school system uh, for years. I, I, I made home visits, uh, and one thing I hated when I uh, sat in the lounge with the teacher, the way they made mockery at the students uh, during their lunch break. But my saying is this, and I say it again, I say it a thousand times. The school bell do not ring at the schoolhouse. The school bell ring at home. Hmm. And if they ain't getting the proper armor to go into the school, if the mother and father not properly armed, then it's automatic the child not properly armed. That child came from your womb and his sperm. You have a responsibility to educate them, theirs, to go out into the world. You don't allow no teacher, no stranger to teach your child if you're not teaching your child at home. The other thing, going back to propaganda, the movie, I, I talked about Superfly, how he made the drug trade and a big thing. And as parents, we had to fight that. Many of our brothers and sisters now are in prison because we dealt with the heroin dealers, the drug dealers, and the methadone hospital dealers. Now we got to deal with the propaganda. We got movies, but 
There was one brother who brought other countries to us in the entertainment world, and that's why we must utilize this. James Brown says, say it loud and black and I'm proud. Man, before that, man, we were Negroes. Then OJ, we moving on up, keep on pushing. So I'm saying that the industry that making money also leaving out there for us to utilize because many of these singers cannot join the Black Panthers or any other progressive movement, but they can put their message out there for you and I to grab that message and move forward with it. Before James Brown said, I'm loud, I'm black, and I'm proud. Man, that started a revolution. Then we're moving on, keep on pushing. That started a revolution. So we're seeing the hip-hop artists talking about guns, drugs, and then we look at brothers on the streets carrying guns called hip-hop artists who are not revolutionary, who are not aware of neocolonialism or uh, colonialism or racism, imperialism, capitalism, I name all the isms. They make these songs so we complain about it, and now we got opportunity that when the proper information coming out, it's time for us to move and organize on that. And I'll tell you something, that's why I love the lumping. The lumping proletarian. And the Panthers back then, Jerome Pratt, G, and all of them, Lumumba, and it mm-hmm. come down to uh, Tupac Shakur, his mother, Afeni Shakur. We dealt with those street language and that language and brought it to a revolutionary terms and moved forward. Now the movie industry is shaping the minds of our brothers and sisters. We got cable, we got TV, stay on 24-7, propagating and brainwashing our brothers and sisters through the movies. So now we're looking at now we have to jump on that as the gangsters on the street jump on gangster rap. We got to jump on what is proper for us, and that's the African culture. And it's put out there, let's move on it, and let's move on the right, because we living on the government now. Ain't under the symbol of the panthers. Ain't under the symbol of the uh, elephant. They're not under the symbol of a of the donkey is on the symbol of a Nazi cross, black power. Black power, absolutely. I think one of the things, too, that we understand, must understand that the capitalists, in a capitalist society, that they understand money, you know, and there's no no, there's no two ways about that. They understand money. They under, That is a power that motivates them, that moves them. Um, and so when we begin to support black directors and black actors, when they see that it is worth, the investment that black people are worth that investment, then they will give them more freedom and more leeway to do movies like the Panther. And that's just the bottom line. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Whether we like it or not, that is the reality of it. If they don't see an investment in us, they will keep forcing down our throats the BS that they are giving us. You know, they'll keep, you know, you know like you said, they saw an investment in gangster rap. They saw an investment in boys in the hood and minister society and all of these gangster things where we killing one another and selling dope and um, um, sexually exploiting our women, the misogyny and the sexism and the all of that. They see a market in that. So they gave us that. I think what I'm hoping is that this is a turnaround, not just in them saying, you know what, there's money in investing in positive black male images, but also in us saying that we no longer want or we're becoming less tolerant of negative black images on media, in music, on small screen, in any way. We must control our image. No other people 
when you talk about people, will have their images used to the degree that we allow our images to be used. They tried that in the beginning with the Chinese. Like I've even heard you say, Tammy Carr, and the people say, they used to be saying that they, they used to say, you don't stand a Chinaman's chance in hell. No, you don't say that about the Chinese. Because the Chinese have practiced a form of nationalism and self-sufficiency that have made the Chinese people a force to be reckoned with. We used to talk about the various ethnic groups, um, the Irish, even the so-called European, the white people look like, used to look at them and look down upon these very ethnic groups until these ethnic groups came together, clung together, made themselves political, economic, social, cultural forces. The African and America must do the same thing. If we're going to spend, if we're going to spend, which we are, since we don't have production and manufacturing, which we don't, then we must demand that we get the most out of our dollar. That's all I'm saying. I'm not looking to the movie to be some revolutionary dictate, some revolutionary manifesto that is going to free the African in from the bondage and the yoke of imperialism, exploitation, oppression, whether that be economic, political, or social, cultural. I'm not looking for the movie to speak to all of them issues. What I do see out of it, though, like I said in the beginning, is an opportunity for us as African people who live in a capitalist country, who live in a country that was um, founded on and based on white, white male supremacy, the exploitation, enslavement, and genocide of people of ethnic, different various ethnicities, that we're saying this. Since I have to spend my dollar with you, the fact that you are producing material that I can agree with and is worthy, since I don't have my own, is worthy of my dollar, I applaud that. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not telling anyone not to have a bad opinion about the Black Panther movie. That's what I love about us as a people. We're entitled to that. I'm not telling anyone to go see Black Panther, to even economically support it. But I am posing this question. Do you entertain yourself other ways? See, don't be, we must check ourselves and really be realistic with ourselves. If we have a problem with Black Panther, the movie, do we have a problem with supporting or entertaining ourselves with any white enterprises or white endorsed or white supported or white owned or white backed, whatever, uh, industries, entertainment or anything? See, we, we need to ask ourselves, do I have a problem because it's black? And that's the hardest thing to confront is the neocolonialism and sicknesses that affect us, that we're infected by it. And my mouth is closer to my ears. I'm not saying that I'm not affected by it. Hell, I come from the same place that you come from historically. My ancestry is the same as your ancestry. And you know, you know, go ahead, brother. Oh, you know, I, I like, I like to say, you know, you know, uh, us, you know, conscious, I'm going to use that word, or just, you know, higher thinking, you know, comrades, for sure, you know, we got to know the difference between human and history. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, you know, a lot of the things that we do, you know, a lot of things, you know, it's at your own risk because with you being woke or whatever, you know what's at stake. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's at your own risk. But that's what we're knowing. So my thing is this. 
weighing things, being realistic about our weight, being balanced in our judgment. If we are entertaining ourselves with any other means, then at the very least, we should entertain us. If I'm spending money, let me put it in simple language. If I'm spending money with these white folk anyway, I'm about to spend money on these white folks that are at least putting out positive male images or not just male, positive black images, period. If I'm spending, because the sisters was kicking ass in that movie. I'm talking about everybody repped. Yeah, it was criticized for not having no um, lesbian gay activity. LGBT. Oh, they, oh, they gonna, oh, they gonna listen. They gonna, they gonna express. They gonna find. They gonna find. They fighting everything. One thing I'm gonna give to the LGBTQ community. They gonna find. They fighting anything. <laughs> they want to be represented in everything, every and any damn thing, and they gonna fight. You know, it wasn't even that type of. You wasn't even that type of damn movie. I'd have got upset. I'm like, yeah, we can't even have a superhero movie. It was a superhero movie. The man was a superhero. Shit, let him do superhero stuff. You know, yeah. But, but, yeah. I even had, I even had a lady say to me, and this is an elder, and, and we were at the bookstore, so she, as she was explaining the movie to me, and I'm sure it, the movie hadn't come out yet, so I'm sure she was just going through um, the comic book uh, perspective of what was going on, so. It was, we were speaking about the movie. She started talking about some homosexuality. We were actually talking about the movie Jumanji, and I was telling them why I chose not to go and see Jumanji, the second movie, because we got to be real. We go and see movies all the time. We spend money. We run out to the movie theater and go and see the most stupid stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we got to be yeah. real about that. But she said, yeah, just like, you know, Black Panther 2 is going to have. And I turned around and I said, you think? And she was like, yeah, you know, when they show the, the female warriors or whatever, those, you know, those most warriors have to be uh, uh, homosexual, basically, because they can't, you know, go out and, and have any kind of emotion like that. And I was like, hmm. You know, I was thinking, wow. like I said, I never really read it, but after seeing the movie, the first thing that came to my mind was Amazon, you know, and yeah. the first person, that, uh, of, of course, Queen Nzinga was the first to come to my mind. And if you get off into her story and, and, and really read and research her story, she was really upset with her father not allowing her to experience love. She was. And if you anybody check it out for yourself, Read, get off into the story in the in the in the history of Queen Nzinga. She was really upset with her father, who wouldn't allow her to get married, and so it was just baffling to me that this this person saw, you know, her perspective of these female warriors was that of homosexuality, yeah. and it's like we don't have to go looking for that in everything. They didn't give me any indication that those women were lesbians or I didn't see it. They didn't put nothing funny in the movie. They didn't ever make a comment to one of them, each other, about how good they look or anything like that that we see in these white movies where they're always some kind of, you know, the worst. Neo-colonialism. 
neo-colonialist thinking. superhero it, movie to me. You can't, if it, I'm like, how do you let your children watch Deadpool? You can clearly see he was gay in that movie. I mean, listen, all of them, when you're talking about, when you're talking about the Amazons, when you're talking about Wonder Woman, when you're talking about the Amazons, you know, even she said in Wonder Woman, you know, like I said, I'm a superhero buff. So I saw Wonder Woman. And when the man hit the island, she said, are you a man? You know, and she said, I hope I'm a man. You know, y'all don't know what man is. We need, you need man. And she said, not really. She told him, we don't need man. Not really. Men are right. not, and, I, and it was a, a sexual reference, a little joke shared between, and she was like, we don't even need y'all to pleasure us. We got this. That's that Greek, Euro, yes. that Greek, European shit. You. you know, so, but what, what, what you will find in the movie wasn't an homosexuality. In fact, at the end, when, when the Black Panther's partner went to fight against him, his own lady, who was the general, told him, he said, look, my beloved, put that down. She said, he said, beloved, you going to kill me? She said, for my country. He was, he was the general of the army, had a lover, was a brother that rolled rhinoceroses. Mm-hmm. The brother was dope, you know what I'm saying? And she put right. a spear to the brother's neck and told the brothers, like, look, drop it, call him beloved, drop him, drop, drop your weapon, beloved. He said, my beloved, are you going to kill me? She said, for my country, yeah. Yes. So, yes. And she, she was like the general of the army, so there was no throne. My job is to guard the throne. So there was Who no hint of that. She had a male lover. You say what? Yes. Yes. So I, no, was I no said to guard the throne, that's the only thing I said. Yeah, so it was no hint of that. That is that Eurocentric thinking when we think warrior women, strong women. We got to think dyke. We got to think butch. Strong old, she old, old hard sister. No, our women are strong. Our women have to have to be strong. Our women are strong. They have been warriors. They have been doctors and healers and physicians and everything like that. And that has nothing to do with their sexual orientation. Right. Eurocentric thinking that they have specific gender or their gender specific roles assigned to the men and women in society. Our societies as African people don't function like that. I can appreciate the fact that his main core, his bodyguards and his main warriors were women. I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, and I really appreciate and they were strong women, ball-headed women. And I appreciate the fact that out of all of that, that strength and that being strong, that they weren't homosexual women. And there's no not towards the homosexual community. I just appreciate the fact that our women can be strong without there being any sexual orientation or sexual deviancy or perversion or just sexual uh, uh, alternatives, if right. that's a word that people love to use. I love the fact that it could be heterosexual, strong heterosexual black women mm-hmm. that defended the throne. I thought that uh, through and through, the movie was good. It was positive on the, the images that are reflected for African people. And that's all. And I go back to my initial statement that we spend money anyway, that we spend money on entertainment anyway. This is just a, a to me personally, serves as a, a I don't want to say reminder, but as a point that we can – have positive images and we can demand that movies about us be positive 
that we can spend on dollar debt, that is an encouragement for white America who makes the movies anyway, if they're going to make movies, until we get into the producing aspect of it and the, excuse me, the major funding of it, until we get in that, then we should at least demand from Hollywood that the movies that depict us should be positive and uplifting. Absolutely. And because what it sparks is positivity in our community. Yeah. That's what it sparks. We should have things like that in front of us because now we can come home and have more positive conversations amongst ourselves. And I think yeah. that's something that's just so intimidating towards society when it comes to black people. They and and that's what has to let us know that we are a very powerful people. They don't even want us to be friendly to ourselves. They don't even want us to be able to sit around and have a conversation that the whole entire conversation is uplifting to the black man and woman. Yeah. And, you, and if we're sitting around having a conversation about what we just saw this weekend, we ain't going to be talking about nothing but something positive about who we are. And what we can do is it's going it sparks so many different conversations, but it's all positive. Absolutely. Listen, let's go to our phone lines. I think Chairman Carr keeps you know so let's Chairman Carr, your mic is your mic is open. Yeah, uh one of the things that uh we talk about that we forget, uh first of all, the woman is our mother and the man is our mm. father. And it takes two produce. Excuse for my language. Two vaginas ain't gonna produce nothing. And two penis boxing head ain't gonna produce nothing. And it takes two of us to produce one of us. And when we come into the world, the environment and the cultures shape us uh, what they want us to be. And so we have to understand that when we come from the womb, that environment and the house, uh, that culture that's around us produce who we are. And what we're going to be But it takes male and female To produce a male and female And after that It's left to the world And that's why we have to produce a culture That is suitable for development And raising our children Black power Um, What I would say towards that As a female um, Speaking that is A mother Because that is the ultimate um, act of having something to protect. So the innate feeling that you have every every day is a war to me, you know. And I get out and I have to do what I gotta do. But my number one primary goal is to make it back home safe to my children. And when they're with me, it is so imperative that I protect them at all times, at all costs. So the energy and power that comes from a woman is going to be something whole totally different, especially if she's functioning in her right mind, you know, and, and we got to acknowledge that we are the first teachers, the first form of nurturing because you, you spoke on the world shaping us or whatever that goes in, in, in nurturing, you know, so when we look at nature versus nurture, um, the nature of you is indeed going to come from the matter that forms you and puts you together, which is your mother and your father. But the first part of nurturing is coming from the house 
and primarily it's coming from the mother, especially at the time we live in now, if the man is indeed playing his role and and what the role of him is to be in the family. So the women really shape the mind of the masses. And we got to be on. We got to be on it. We have to be warriors. We have to be strong. We have to be intelligent. We have to be all of that. And we have to be fearless in this battle because no woman wants to see her child laid to rest before her. No, no, yeah. no mother, you know. And so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And brothers, too. Don't, don't, don't sleep. Brothers need to be. I I think that it's you're absolutely right that our women are going to have to be brothers, the strong because the woman gives birth to both men and women. So yeah. for for the for the longest time, the man, the male child, is looking for most of his nourishment from his mother. First, coming out with breastfeeding, a woman breastfeeds both men and women. You, so, absolutely, he's looking for his yeah. nourishment. He's looking for his nourishment. But we're talking about when you talk about society. See, we can't. I think one of the things that we should not do and have to be careful of is establishing a premise of gender, a gender premise, you know, and there is no, no gender premise. No, but I think that the roles, I think everybody should know what is important for them, everybody. and then that's how, we, that's how we work at a balance because yeah. that yeah. mother that's sending their son out to war, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a better warrior if he's breastfed. And he's gonna you be know, so the, way better you, than that I'm, if he's breastfed with the and the mother is on a proper diet. See all of yeah, this but I'm gonna tell the minds you, of the masses. I'm gonna tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this too. I'm gonna tell you this too. The male and this is one of the things and you and I may disagree with someone that I have you know and I've gotten conversation with females this before is that that's what they see the male as as labor, as a warrior, but the male is a nurturer too. One of the problems that we face with a lot of our young men is they haven't had masculine nurturing. They don't know how to have love between brothers that is healthy, not homosexual love, not a, um, not envy, not competition, but a brotherhood because we're not taught to love one another. We're not taught to nurture. We're not taught to emotion. We're taught because I've, even our women who have stepped away from the divine womanhood has allowed Eurocentrism to step in there. They would even tell us, man up. How's a woman telling a man to man up? When's the last time you've been a man? So that's why I tell a woman. My mother used to say that, man up. I say, tell me about being a man, woman. And that used to make my mother mad. Or uh, we dare tell, men don't cry. Men do this. Men do that. We have to, men have to define manhood. We're going to have to, de- with the aid and assistance of our women, women will defy womanhood with the aid and assistance of a man because this is the only way that there's going to be this equity and equality in, um, in, our, in our communities and in society. I don't believe in primacy. Uh, well, I do believe I, in Let me just say this. Let me say this. So when we, this when we, justice. I just want to say that, you know, like a lot of times men don't want to hear what we have to say. They really don't want to hear what we have to say. So it's hard to be able to get that balance. You know, when we have right. to, when, the things that we need to be able to, um, to, to, to balance a situation, they don't want to hear that. They don't want you to talk. They don't want you, they, they, when you start talking, they get mad. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And so my point is, like, what we really need to do is to be able to work together. And in order to work together, we have to be able, the, the men have to be able to accept what we have to say. And a lot of times and that's not the case, black power. And black power and vice versa. But the thing of it is we have to acknowledge the problem. The problem is an extreme imbalance in the yes. equilibrium of black families, right? So when we yeah. look at that balance and say, okay, now we gotta now we gotta look at solutions to come up with this. What what first we gotta identify the problem and then come up with a solution. And so yeah. when we're identifying where we are where we have gone wrong, right? When I say mm-hmm. a black woman in her right mind or any woman in her right mind, I got I have two sons. Both of them came in the world crying. So why would I stop? Why would I say it's not okay for a man to cry when they came mm-hmm. in the world crying? Crying is a natural part of being a, a being on the planet. We even have trees that weep. So that's why I'm saying I would never knock the male because he's going to do his part, and when he's in his right mind, he is going to um, provide the proper nutrition and the nourishment for the baby because a lot of people don't understand that even the male sperm is very important. That sperm that penetrates that penetrates that egg is very important to the well-being of that that baby that's going to come about because there are a lot of sickly babies that and that's based off the male because there's a lot more males right now who are engaged in uh, illicit drug use than females, and that's still affecting the baby. So it's indeed an overall thing, but, again, I'm going to say it is very, very, very important for the black women to be in their right mind because anything can happen in a family. It's not single families just don't come about because a man chose to leave or it was a conflict, a problem. Sometimes it happens out of just nature. You know, anything yeah. death is death yeah. is apparent anything. So it's important that the woman always knows and, and we, we, we know men. See a lot of women in this society have just completely dropped the ball. You know, some of these women are just grooming them themselves or their their children to be homosexuals and some women are just going overboard with the vanity. Period in their homes, all the hair, all the nails, all the you know, it's just getting crazy, it's getting out of hand, and we're not really acting I, in a in a in a more conscientious manner when it comes to raising children. Yeah, let me interrupt for a second. Let me just say this you know, like, um, yes, there does need to be a man around to be able to rear the, the, the boys. But by the same token, there's something called imprinting. You know, imprinting mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, mother ducks, they follow yeah. the mother duck. And the, the, mm-hmm. the bottom line is when you have a woman that's raising men, what happens is taking on the, aspira- the, the aspirations and, and, and whatever it else, uh, the characteristics of the mother. And then what, what right. the, the bottom line is, like Farrakhan said, you know, men really need to listen to their women. And a lot of times, like I said, these men don't listen, and that's where 
the yeah. imbalance comes in. Black power. Absolutely. Right. But black power, and let I me would, say this, because this is a whole other oh, oh, Let me say this, because this, we have five minutes. This is a whole other show, because I can agree, and I and I also disagree with that. It sounds a lot like primacy. And coming even, I would say to even to you, Mr. Justice, you're right. Men need to listen to their women, right. and women need to listen to their men. Then we, we have to be careful that we don't get into primacy, because with that type of understanding that you're saying, then we can blame a lot of world's problems on women. We can blame you for the homosexuality in the men then, if from from just your just from that theory that you're saying. But brother Chairman, we're talking not about this, hold on, sister, hold on, hold on. We can blame because this is a whole other show and I and I really want to have a show. But we can blame the homicide rate on women, if they are the first teachers, you're talking about this in print, you're talking about mm-hmm. listening. We can talk about the hatred of black women that men display, the misogyny and the sexism towards black women. We can put that mm-hmm. on the, we can put that on black women. See, you can't have it both ways. You can't say I, but I, that I would we're agree teachers. With you. I yeah. would agree with well, you. I'm, I'm talking, I would, I would yeah. agree with, with you as far as a lot of stuff that's going on in the society is based on the woman. And yeah. that's just that's just reality, and 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 it's like and it's like uh, the sister said. It's not about blame. It's just identifying. But we but we always we always have to go back and say, okay, who was taken outside of their element the most? It was the woman. She was completely had everything completely stripped away from her as the as the great mother of the family. But sister, if the woman is taken out of her element, and I got three minutes, if the black woman, you're saying that she was taken out of her element the most. African people was a matrifocal community. The woman was Mm -hmm. the focal point. So if the woman was taken out of her element the, the most, it threw society off. So you can't say that she was taken out the most. Because if she is the focal point, if she is no longer the focal point, then the whole society is off. So the black man, the black child, everything else is going to be off. I think that this sets up, again, a danger of supremacy, a danger like I get on the brothers who say the black man, the black man, and, and, and don't acknowledge gender exploitation and gender oppression. We're facing the same things from our black women who are starting to now set up, and is danger, and this is how that white woman came in there and began to have the feminist movement and have our black women begin to make it a woman's issue and not an issue of Africanness and a black family, black society issue. Listen, I got two minutes. This is the next week. You, you guys have, that's the next topic next week. Hold this thought. This is going to be a high-powered show next week. Yeah. We're going to talk because about I'm going to say I think it's more conscious black men than black women. I'm going I, to you know that. what? I would disagree with that. I would so okay. disagree. Well, you got a lot of the conscious black men in here because they're chasing this tail. They know what sisters like to hear, black queen, black guy. So that's just my opinion. But listen, I got one minute. This is going to be a great show. Next week, please tune in. Tell your friends about it. This is going to be a high-powered show. I already can tell. I can feel from the energy at the end of this show. But I want to thank everyone for listening in this week. Ephraim Nikki for, you know, coming on. Justice, definitely. Um, so next week, that's going, to be the, that's going to be the topic. Thank everybody for listening in. You're listening to uh, the People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Independence, Black Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Chairman Yang, National Chairman Yang and Krumah. And I leave you as I always greet you, which is all power to oppress people. 
African power to an African people and black power. Black power. Black power. Black power. Yo, all I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things as sun did. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151. One sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence. Who I'm gon' body this hood politics, acknowledging. Leave bodies chopped up in garbage. Seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us. Police watch us, roll up and try knocking us. One I duck, could it be my time is up with my love? I got up, the cops shot again. Bus stop glass burst, a fiend drops a Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out, I shoot back. Fuck getting hit, this is my hood, I'm a rat. To the death of it, to everybody, come on. Little niggas is grown, hood rats. Don't abortion your wound, we need more warriors soon. Sit from the stars, sun and the moon. And it's like a police chase, the street sweepers and coppers. Sick up kids with no conscience, leaving victims with doctors. If you really think you're ready to die. Shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece, that's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17, 27 hit your crew, 6 went into you, everybody gotta die sometime, hope your funeral never get shot up, bullets tear through the innocent, nothing to spare, niggas roll up, shooting from wheelchairs, my heart is racing, tasting revenge in the air, I let this shit slide for too many years, too many times, now I'm strapped with a couple of max. too many nines, if y'all niggas really with me, get busy, load up the semis, do more than just hold it, explode the clip until you empty, there's nothing in our Way. They bust, we bust, they rush, we bust Let's fly and feel it, I feel it in my gut That we take these bitches to war Lie them down, cause we stronger now My nigga, the time is now All I need is one mic All I need, all I need is one mic There's nothing else in the world All I need is one mic That's all I need to need to do is thing, no All I need is one mic All I need is one life, one try, one breath on one man. What I stand for, speak for itself. They don't understand or want to see me on top. Too egotistical, talking all that slick shit the same way these bitches do. Wonder what my secret is. Niggas will move on you only if they know what your weaknesses. I have none. Too late to grab guns. I'm blasting because I'm a fool, nigga. Thought I wouldn't have that ass done. Fool you, niggas. What you call an infinite brawl? Eternal souls clashing. World gets deep. Some beef is everlasting. Complete with thick stars. Brothers knifing each other up in prison yard. Drama, where does it start? You know the block was ill as a youngster Every night it was like a cop would be killed Body found in the dumpster, for real a hustler Purchased my range, niggas throwing dirt on my name Jealous cause fiends got they working to plain Bitches left me cause they thought I was finished Should've knew she wasn't true, she came to me When a man caught a sentence, diamonds are blinded I never make the same mistakes Moving with a change of pace, light a load See now the king is straight, swelling my melon Cause none of these niggas real hurting were Telling police, how can a kingpin squeal? This is crazy, I'm on the right track I'm finally found. You need some soul searching. The time is now. All I need is one mic. One mic. 
I need is one mic. That's all I ever needed in this world. Fuck cash. All I need is one mic. Fuck the cars, the jewelry. All I need is one mic. Spread my voice to the whole world. 